Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome everybody in this room, welcome everybody joining us online, and want to welcome all of our children's ministries. So today is the first day we've got screens and live feed going on in all the children's ministry rooms today. Isn't that great? How about a round of applause for all of our tech crew and all the work they do? And so our attempt is hopefully to help our kids' ministry experience. There are some times in the children's ministry world where they're going to want to maybe participate in what we're doing up here. For example, like when we do a child dedication service, it might be a time where they gather the kids around and they're able to participate with us in that and then it'll help them with just the flow of their morning to just know what's going on up here and screens out in the atrium too. And so hope that all is an assistance to everyone who does so much good work in our Eagle Kids world. Well, we had a really special church family time last night. I want to put our hands together and welcome and congratulate the newest of newlyweds around here, Griffin, Steffi, and Sally Everett. Here's a picture from last night. Let's put our hands together for Griffin and Sally. Awesome. Several of you were there last night. It was a nice, cool evening for a wedding, you know that way, but it was a great setting there in the, at the Everett household, and I think most of the wedding crew is probably in post-wedding cleanup, recovery mode, but what a great time. The Steffies and Everett's longtime parts of Eagle, especially the Steffi family for so many years, so thanks for everyone who's been a part of that. And if you're joining us today, maybe you're a guest that's come this morning as an invite, uh, we're glad that you're here. Just want you to take a breath, sit back, relax, and we're going to do something a little bit differently this morning with our message and where it's at in the David series. So open up your Bibles. If you have a Bible, pull out your message notes. You can pull on your app. If you pull, download the Eagle Church app, you can get your message notes there electronically and your online host. Those of you joining online, they can direct you to how to get them there online as well. We're in this series on the life of David, and we've been journeying with him for several months now, and we've, we've concluded that David's life isn't an ideal life, but it's a real life which is why I, I really like David, because he's a real person who makes real mistakes and lives a real up and down and all the roads in between. He relates to a real God. He has a, a real heart who has weeks that he has really great experiences in a week, and then he has weeks where he has incredibly lows, and then he has average, everyday, ordinary kinds of weeks. He's a real person with a real life, and we've been tracking with him, not to set him up and profile the ideal way to live, but he gives us some guidance in how a real person lives life with God. And today, we're at a place in David's life where his story overlaps all of our stories under this banner. Today, we're going to see where David loses two loved ones, his good friend Jonathan and King Saul. They both die, 1 Samuel 31. If you want to read the details of their death, it's 1 Samuel 31. The Philistines come in, and, and Jonathan is killed, and, and then Saul is kind of being encircled by the Philistines, and he falls on his own sword. He's one of the four suicides in the Bible. So the first king of Israel takes his own life, and then David gets word. David gets word that his good friend Jonathan is dead. And a king who he's tried to respect and honor for so many years, though it's been hard, but he had a level of respect for Saul, that he's lost a loved one. And I think we can learn, right, in all of this space and all of our lives, some of you, that's a very fresh experience. You come right on the heels of, on the receiving end of that kind of a phone call, and you hear, grandma is gone, grandpa's gone, my mom, my dad good friend, spouse, 
And right here, if you're not in that space, we just keep living in this human experience, and here's the space we'll eventually all come to. We will encounter grief and loss and emptiness. It will happen, and it will come most likely unexpectedly, not when we're looking for it. It'll come being thrust upon us, like in David's world. And so what we're going to do today is look at, well, what did David do in response to that? First Samuel, or 2 Samuel chapter 1, here's what it says David did after he hears the news. Verse 11, then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Do you see what it says? David mourns, weeps, fasts, and tears his clothes. The Bible word for this, and kind of our word for the day, is lament. Not a very commonly used word, but when you think of lament, I put it in your notes this way. It's a way of expressing our grief, being honest with our loss, without letting it define us. So, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible says, we're going to grieve. So, you, you, you remember Paul writes in his letter to the Thessalonians, he says, hey, you know, you're going to grieve, but you're going to grieve with hope. It doesn't say you're not going to grieve. It just means when you encounter great loss, you're going to do it in such a way that there is some hope. So, here's David. He's got this heartache thrust upon him. He's lost Jonathan and he's lost Saul. And what does he do? He calls the nation together to lament, to express their grief with honesty and authenticity. And I like what Eugene Peterson says about what lament. I put this in your notes as well because I thought it was real helpful. Lament isn't an animal wail. is isn't just about like wailing. It's not an inarticulate howl. Lament notices and attends, savors and delights in details, images and relationships, pain entered into, accepted and own can become poetry. I'm going to read that sentence again. I think it's a really important sentence for the day. Pain entered into, accepted, and owned can become poetry. It is no less pain, but it is no longer ugly. And so what we're going to do this morning with David is we're going to work through four movements of lament. Did you know that he wrote 67 laments in the Bible? 67 of the 150 psalms are lamenting psalms. That tells me there must be a really significant part of us relating with God in the space of lamenting. And I know for me, and when I look at culturally, uh, I think we struggle with this, especially suburban North American culture, struggling to enter in and embrace our grief and our loss and our emptiness and our heartache. That's not something we're, we're just very good at. It's not something we talk much about. It tends to be sc- something we want to move quickly past or skip over or deny. And so this is how Peterson put it, kind of commentating on our culture. He says, denial and distraction are the standard over-the-counter prescriptions of our culture for dealing with loss. See that denial, distraction. The societal effect is widespread addiction and depression, widespread inability or refusal to face pain, face rejection and frustration, endure not having what we want or getting our own way. And so that's why, church, we're going to take this morning 
and we're going to learn because it is a learned practice. We're going to learn what does it mean to lament our losses with God. And we're going to do that with David in Psalm 142, and we're going to work through four movements. And so the worship team is going to help us through the whole morning because music has a way of helping us kind of get below the surface of our lives. Sometimes through the a lyric of a song, it kind of sneaks behind our defense mechanisms mentally and, and gets into the heart a little bit. So music's going to be a really important part of the lamenting process. Hence, I think David, most of the psalms were sung. So I can picture David when he's gathering the nation together and helping them lament. I think he's leaning on his worship choir and his worship choruses to do this with us. And so Psalm 142 is going to be our lamenting psalm, and I put the movements in your notes there. And the first one, this is how David begins Psalm 142. Verse 1, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. You see that? So here's the first movement in the lamenting process, is there's this crying out to God. Do you notice the first movement isn't inward? It's upward and Godward. Do you see that? So wherever you come in today and whatever part of your spiritual journey you're in, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Whatever stage of personal grief and loss you're in, maybe it's very fresh and maybe the pain still stabs pretty deep in the heart, or maybe it's something that's been a long journey you've been in, and you're still carrying some aspects of it, or maybe for some of you who are a bit younger, you've maybe not encountered a deep place of grief and loss. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, if you're in it, hopefully you can just take your personal emptiness and your personal grieving and your personal weeping and follow these movements. If you're not in it now, use these movements as training ground for the time when you do hit it, because part of being a human is to encounter grief and loss and heartache and pain. You'll be with David in 2 Samuel 1 at some point, where you're going to want to tear your clothes, and all you can do is weep standing beside a great emptiness, and you wonder, why this, and why now, and how much more, and what do I do with this? And so the first movement is we take all of that, and we join David, and we cry out to God. And we say, God, you're a God of mercy. And we're honest with our pain Godward. You know he's big enough for it, by the way. So whatever it is you're carrying, maybe it's a deep-seated root of, of anger into it. The second movement, we'll get into more of that. But just to be open and authentic with right where you are, and take it Godward during this first movement. So the first movement is Godward. We cry out to God in our lament. And then David goes, verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my trouble. In your Bibles you might want to underline my complaint and my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. So I want you to see the, the movement here. So you've got your first movement where God, David cries out to the Lord. And the second movement is this expression of the core of the pain and the struggle. 
You see where David in this, he, he takes his complaint, he, he takes his trouble, he says he's growing faint on the inside, he's being honest with how difficult all of this has become. So this is the movement where we're willing to stand beside our great emptiness and go all the way to the bottom with it. To kind of go the thing beneath the thing. This is that, this is that movement. This is one of the more difficult movements in lamenting because it's hard to face our grief and stare at it for the darkness that it is. It's hard to stay with it to get to the bottom of it because it's just so emotionally difficult period to be in. Our initial reaction is to kind of run and to turn away and, of course, want to run towards the light from the darkness. And one writer was saying it's kind of like when you're watching the sunset and you're waiting, you're thinking, I need to move towards the light. Your initial reaction is you want to move to where you watch the sun is setting, but actually wisdom is you got to turn around and go to the eastern sky, and you go towards the darkness because that's the first place the daylight's going to break. And so for some of you this morning, this is going to be a really key movement of the morning, is to be honest and authentic with this place of pain and loss, to stay with it, and go all the way to the bottom with it. I want you to think about Mary in John 20 standing by Jesus' tomb. I think she's a good companion for us in this movement. You know, Mary being a close friend of Jesus along the way. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You have Mary Magdalene, friend of Jesus. Mary's at the tomb, and she's there, and she's weeping because she just watched Jesus die. She lost Jesus on Friday, and the bloodshed, the public nature of it, how excruciatingly painful it was for Jesus to endure and then for his loved ones to witness it. Mary is sitting beside, it wouldn't be an overstatement to say massive amount of PTSD for all of the disciples in their immediate circle. Like post-traumatic stress for them is what they witnessed on Good Friday. The flogging and the beating and the crucifixion and all that came with that. So on Saturday, there she's sitting and she's just wailing and weeping. And I think Mary standing by that tomb with her great emptiness is a good character for us right now. She's kind of worked, exhausted herself to try to figure out, what do I do with this loss? What do I do with this grief? What do I do with this? She's just standing there, and all she can do is weep, because that's all she's doing by the tomb. She's just weeping, standing with her great emptiness. She's tried to figure it out. She's tried to you know, analyze it and process it, and at the end of the day, all she can do is stand there with it and weep. And this is an important movement in lament. The authenticity and honesty of our grief and our loss. To stay with it and get to the thing below the thing, to move toward the darkness. You're never, we're never going to quite make the daylight breaking on the horizon if we don't turn and move towards the darkness and be willing to face it and to look at it, to invite God into it. And so, thankfully, this isn't the end movement, but this is a key movement in the lamenting process. So we take first, we start Godward, and then as we open up this movement Godward, we then allow an honesty inward to this place with Mary standing beside a great emptiness. And maybe that's where this morning finds you, or maybe you've been there, but if you were honest, maybe running the other way from it might have been the initial reaction. And today it's 
having a little bit of courage and faith to just stay in that space and look at it. And so as the team leads us through this song, I think this song helps. What we want to do with this song is um, allow the team to basically sing it to us and sing it over us. So in this next song, I want this to be some personal space for you to allow you just to take the next few minutes and, and join Mary by whatever tomb of great emptiness you find yourself looking at these days. And ask God for the courage just to stay right there. And if the tears flow, let the tears flow. And all through this morning, you know, our prayer benches here at the front, I'm going to make this morning as so it's like open. So maybe through the morning, it's during the songs you want to come and kneel and pray. Or if it's even while I'm talking, you feel free to come and kneel and pray. This is space for you to grab the Kleenex and to kneel and to simply be and to say, I'm going to get to the core of this loss. I'm going to allow it to go down deep and get to the bottom of it. And in the next movement, we'll see where David goes with it. But right now, it's to stay with it in that space. And let's let the words of this song just help you stand there with your great emptiness and weep. Lament the loss. Allow the tears to flow. I was reminded the closing line of Psalm 88. Bryce was singing that. The psalmist says, you've taken me, you've taken from me my companions and loved ones, and darkness is my closest friend. That's the second movement of lamenting. It's having that level of honesty with that place of grief. And that second movement, it's very helpful to lean into some wise guides around you. This is a good place to lean into counselors, to spiritual directors, to some good friends who can help sit with you in that space. The second movement's not super helpful to try to do all on your own. So if that's where this morning finds you, maybe an action step out of that is to be willing to sit with someone and simply open up about that great emptiness that's causing you to weep, to get to the thing below the thing, to sit in that space, to get to the core of it. So the lamenting process starts Godward, and then it moves inward to get to the core, and then there's a, a third movement in lamenting, verse 5, Psalm 142. David says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, notice this, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So there's this declaring step in the middle of the dark. He declares the truth of who God is right in the middle of the dark. Maybe he can't fully see it. He's just declaring it. I think there's an honesty here about, like, where is it we tend to run when we hit places of deep grief and loss? We tend to run to all kinds of things to comfort us, all kinds of things to be a refuge for us. We can, we can run to all kinds of distractions, right? We can turn to entertainment. We can turn to all kinds of substances, alcohol, drugs, all kinds of things to try to numb the pain where we look to those to be a refuge. We can even turn to friends and family to try to be a refuge for us when at its core, David's like, I, I, I'm looking around and going, do you notice he says, you, Lord, are my refuge. Like, 
what I'm really looking for here in the midst of this deep pain and loss is you, you're my refuge. This stage requires the eye of faith here. This step requires a great deal of faith to believe this. With Mary in John 20, standing at Jesus' tomb, here's, here's the faith to believe this, that Jesus, the resurrected Christ, can come to you and meet you in your place of great emptiness. It takes a lot of courage. It takes some faith. Like, Mary doesn't know. We have the luxury of on this side of the story. Mary doesn't know that that's not the end. She thinks it's over. She's just grieving, grieving in her loss. She's just sitting there, and then Jesus comes to her. Remember what he says to her? He calls her by name, Mary. Does she recognize him right away? No. That tells me it's a good, right, sometimes when we're so kind of bound in our grief, in our loss, and in our sadness, we're not able to see how Jesus is coming to us in that place of loss. That's this third movement. That no matter how deep the valley, no matter how dark the pain, no matter how sudden the loss, that Jesus can and will come to you right there in that space. And this movement is like what David's saying, and really that's the refuge that ultimately you're really looking for. You may not even have words for it. You may say, well, Eric, I haven't really been looking for the Lord in my grief. It's like, yeah, but this is where David's saying, yeah, but that's who really can help you through the grief to a degree that no one else can. Maybe this is the step where you're honest about all the other refuges that you've been looking to that have kind of left you empty and a bit hollow. And now you can say, I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to say, Jesus, you can meet me here. You can come to me. While I'm standing right beside this great emptiness and all I can do is weep, Jesus can come. And he can call out your name. Mary. Bill, Clyde, Sarah, Sally, Mary. He can call out your name. It can get very personal. So in this third movement, as the team leads us through this song, I want you to, to kind of work the muscles of believing. Like say, Lord, I need you. It's like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It might be in that space. Like, Lord, I believe you can, but I'm not quite sure. That's okay. Just bring that to him and ask the Lord to just say, can you open the eyes of my soul to see how you're coming to me in the midst of this great pain and loss and darkness? How am I coming? How's he coming? And so as we sing this together, I want to invite you to stand as the team leads us through this song because this is one of those songs that I think just the physical posture of us standing and expressing this. We're going to declare the truth of who God is through this song right in the middle of the dark. Just had that picture during that song of some of you having your eyes open to seeing how Jesus is coming to you in the darkness. Mary, right as we're standing with that great emptiness, all we can do is weep and then Jesus comes and calls out our name. 
So do you see how these are being linked together? Now the first move of lamenting is Godward. We cry out to the Lord. And then the second movement is inward. We're willing to sit in the place of that grief and loss and get to the bottom of it, get to the thing below the thing. And then as we sit with that, the third movement is to develop the eye of faith to see how Jesus comes to us in that space. You tracking with me? The three movements, Godward, inward, and then the eye of faith to see how Jesus comes in that space. Because the human tendency is to try to just kind of stuff it, skip over it, deny it, rationalize it, run from it, be distracted in it, try to medicate it or substance it. or ju It's just so hard. And there's another way. David's saying there's another way. It's called lamenting. Lamenting your losses. I would argue a much healthier way. Not less painful but I think certainly much more effective in helping us heal and come through it. Never forgetting, always having deep scars, but perhaps in the lamenting process is where the layers of healing begin to come. And so there's one final movement, and it's in the last section of Psalm 142. Follow it here, verse 6 and 7. David says, listen to my cry, he says to the Lord, for I am in desperate need. Somebody's come into church today, and that's right where you're living right now. You are in desperate need. You may not even have articulated those words to the Lord, but you've certainly thought, if you were honest, you are in desperate need. Now follow David's lead. He cries out to the Lord from that. He says, Lord, listen to my cry. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they're too strong for me. Gang, staring at the darkness of grief grief and loss and emptiness, it's too strong just for us. We cannot handle that in our own wisdom and strength. And some of you want to power through everything in your life because you're super smart and super effective and all kinds of things in your life. And if you were honest, you've come up against something that you can't see your way through it. You're right there with Dave Say it's just too strong. You know, there's something really, there's a lot of humility in being able to say that. Say, Lord, that's just too strong for me. I need you. Yes, this is the point. It's just too strong for me. Verse 7, set me free from my prison, for I, I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So this fourth movement is this asking for God's help movement. Do you notice the verbs in this section? Listen to me, underline that. Rescue me and set me free. Do you see those? Listen to me, rescue me, set me free. See, David knows this, that God has the resources and capacity to help him. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has the resources and capacity to help you with going through whatever it is you're going through. He has that. This is the step where if we believe that, we ask for God's help. Lord, no matter what I'm going through, I believe you have the resources and capacity to help me get through whatever it is I'm going through, even if I can't see it and I can't figure it out. Early last week, I spent a day and a half at a monastery in northern Indiana here and it's kind of where I go when 
I hit some of these spaces in life, when I hit my own places of personal Psalm 142 in whatever degrees, and I just had this sense that I just needed to get away for about 30 hours or so and just be still and be with Jesus and listen. And as I was walking around the grounds, and of course monasteries are very quiet, I was the only guest at the entire 212-bed monastery, so picture how quiet that was. I was the only one there besides the person who runs the place, and he handed me the keys at the end of the day, and he said, I'll be back at 8 in the morning, and he left. It's like, being, it's like, living, it's like staying in like a, a large hotel-type setup, and they just handed you the keys and headed out. And there was one light on, and it was the little light in my little corner room was completely silent. So as I walked and as I prayed and my praying turned into whining and nobody else has that, but like sometimes I'm just like whining and complaining and moaning and some praying and walking and I came upon this statue. The statue was of Jesus, shocker, on a monastery. It was a statue kind of wood carved and it had, he had his hands out like this. I just stood there and stared at the statue. And just sensed Jesus whisper to this to my soul. I will help you. This is the fourth movement. I want you to have that image in your head. Jesus standing before you with his nail-pierced hands out to you, looking you in the eye. I will help you. Do you believe that? Do you believe he has the resources and capacity to help you get through whatever it is you're going through? You say, Eric, you don't understand how deep this valley, how dark these days. I don't, but he does. And he can come to you in that grief. He can come to you in that grace loss. And as you ask him for help, he said, I will help you. I will help you. And so do you see how the four movements are now interwoven together? The first movement is Godward with our lamenting. Remember, what is lamenting? It's not just some random wailing. It's not conjuring up some big emotional response. It's being honest and authentic with our grief so that it doesn't become a defining reality. We don't grieve without hope. Lamenting helps weave hope into our grief because there's a Godward starting point to our grieving and then we go inward to be honest, to get to the bottom. And then we ask for the eye of faith to see how Jesus is coming to us in that darkness. And as he comes to us, he comes with hands extended. Mary, and you remember Mary's response once she recognized Jesus? What did she do in John 20? She fell at his feet. I didn't fall at the statue's feet, of course, but internally, that's what I sensed kind of I was doing at the monastery was simply falling at Jesus' feet. Jesus, help me. He will help you. And I know there's some mountains in this room. Mountains. Mount Everest-sized grief and loss and emptiness and mystery. And Jesus will help you.
have to be willing to kind of step in and step towards this. So we've got one final song here, and and here's what I want to do with the last song. I just want you to kind of look back through the four movements of the lament. And I want you to just ask, Lord, where am I at in the movements here? We're probably all in different places and different stages. It's okay. Just say, where am I at, Lord, in this? Are you just right at the beginning stage where maybe today is like, okay, I'm just going to purposefully start taking this Godward? first movement, crying out to God. Or maybe today it's that movement of, maybe it's it's time to kind of go inward and sit with the grief and loss and get to the bottom and get to the thing below the thing. And maybe I need to reach out to some counselors or reach out to some spiritual directors and help me get to the bottom to stand with this great emptiness. Maybe it's a movement of going to the eastern sky towards the dark because that's where the light of day is going to break. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's the third movement. Maybe, maybe this morning it's like, yeah, you've been in that space. You've been wrestling with that. And maybe this morning it's, it's God bless you with the eye of faith to see how Jesus is coming to you in your great loss and grief. Or maybe it's the fourth movement where today's the day where you simply say, Jesus, help me. I believe you have the resources and capacity to help me. And I simply cry out, help. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for preserving for us stories and guidance on how to grieve. Thank you that in David's real humanness, when he lost a good friend, he lost a couple of loved ones, that he paused and tore his clothes and began to weep and then called the nation to lament. It says he taught them a lament. And I pray that you would help us today, help us as a community learn how to grieve our loss as well. Teach us how to lament our endings. There are some in the room who've had some things thrust upon them and they just so wish that their portion and cup isn't what it is. God, meet them. Jesus, come to them. They're just right there with Mary. Can you imagine how Mary felt? She just, the last thing she wanted to live was Good Friday and Silent Saturday. That's the last thing she wanted to live, and there she was living it. And there may be some listening online on a couch somewhere, driving in a car, sitting alone in a coffee shop, and they just so wish their portion and cup was different. God, right now, would you just grant us the eye of faith to see how you're coming, how the resurrected Christ is coming to us. We confess we can't see and we don't always hear. We can't when Mary and she couldn't, she didn't know it was you. Help us see how you're coming to us. And we simply say, Jesus, help us. Please help. 
want to be a people who grieve well and with hope. We ask it in Christ's name.